0: Social justice means applying the law equally to all people. But in practice, that doesn't always happen. I'm John Gonzalez. I'm here at my law partner, Jack DeRora. We practice law. We seek social justice. On this show, we reveal the conflict between the two.
1: You know, for a while, it was just us in the office over a cup of coffee talking about the news of the day. With social justice issues dominating our culture, our focus became, how do we as lawyers make a difference?
0: And now it's not just us. Today, we have David Flewellen, founder and CEO of Urban Family Development Center, with us to discuss dads-to-be. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me. Jack, um, I guess I took it for granted all my life that uh, I had a a mom and dad, um, you know, there. Uh, My parents grew up in pretty much abject poverty in um, a little uh, steel town outside of Pittsburgh. But, you know, my grandma and grandpa were there the entire time. And when I was born, my mom and dad were there the entire time. And reading things um, about uh, David and his group uh, surprised me how much of a difference it makes that you have both parents, both prenatal and obviously after birth.
1: Yeah, like you, I grew up in a pretty stable environment. Two parents, Mom didn't work, which was common back in the day, but we had those sort of daily rituals like we had dinner all together at the table every day, and there wasn't any question about who was in charge of the house and what I had to do and the guidance I got, so I was particularly lucky, but I was also lucky for for another reason, which uh, I hope we can talk about with David. It's not just a matter of two parents in raising kids, but as you probably remember from prior conversations, you know the zip code where you're raised has a is a big factor in how kids develop.
0: I remember a um, uh, comedy. Bit by um rodney dangerfield where his wife says something like you know he's just complaining i carried that kid for nine months <laughs> and he said and then i carried him for 19 years <laughs> but you know in, in fact um i was around during ann's pregnancies i was i'd enjoyed it and uh, it obviously made um a lot of difference to her but maybe uh, david you can tell us uh Prenatal, how important is it for uh, both the mom and dad to be involved?
2: Well, first of all, I want to thank you both for having me today and uh, making sure that this topic is uh, discussed on your platform means a lot. So thank you. Um, It is extremely important. Um, Statistics show that when dad is involved post-pregnancy and during pregnancy, that it increases the chances and the outcomes of a healthy birth outcome, um, and so it is—it's—it's it's a central role that men play in the uh, pregnancy of a partner.
0: What does your uh, group do then to facilitate that—that—that um, that, that action, that involvement from from the father or from the uh, you know the parent?
2: Absolutely. So uh, our program, das to be offers prenatal. Um, education to dads and so we want to make sure our goal is to make sure that dads understand uh, their role during mom's pregnancy what mom's body is experiencing what she's going through uh, provide a bit of explanation on why her mood swings are the way they are Um, and most importantly encouraging dad to be a part of the pregnancy going to the doctor's appointments, asking questions, ensuring that the doctors acknowledge that dad's in the room. I'm not just the Uber driver. (laughs) I didn't just come along just for the sake of it, but I'm actually a part of this pregnancy and I have a voice in it as well. And so we offer prenatal education uh, sessions alongside of our partners, OSU, uh, Wexner Center, and Moms-to-Be, who offers a prenatal education program for pregnant women, and so we've partnered with them to make sure that while moms are coming to these sessions to learn how to have a, a healthy pregnancy, um, ultimately a healthy birth outcome, dad gets to come along with them and receive the same, uh, receive the same level of, of education. Uh, and support not only do we offer the prenatal education, but as a result of working with dads from the urban inner cities um, who usually um, have some additional challenges that they're faced with, be it employment, um, uh, health care, um, we offer a, a mental wellness check for all of our men. So it's a host of services that we offer but our our main goal is prenatal education for dads. That's our attempt to lower the infant mortality rate here in Franklin County which by the way is third in the country uh, in regards to the number of babies that die before they reach the age of one um, and we're fifth in the in the country state of Ohio how
0: does how does that equate to a um, a lower infant mortality rate when you're When you uh, when you think about dad's involvement, is it just the education, the the education on nutrition, on health, and things like that?
2: Yeah, I think the most important thing that um, plays a role in that is just dad understanding his role overall, right? Because again, we're not carrying a baby, right? Thus, the Rodney Dangerfield, right? Uh, We're not carrying a baby per se. But we play a huge role in mom's uh, uh, well-being, right? The stress levels, the the mere fact we have studies that show that moms feel uh, so much better. And they, they, they're they uh, uh, knowing that dad is just present, right? Knowing the mere fact, knowing that dad is participating in, in, in dad's to be, it, it increases mom's well-being as well. Mm. So I don't know if I answered your question. You did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I,
0: I think that's it, it's a little bit intuitive. So the the men that are participating in your organization with you, uh, do they? Is there any um, requirement that they are the obviously the fa- maybe is there a requirement they are the father or could it be anybody?
2: Yeah. So uh, depends on the program, the session, the site, right? So with our partnership with Moms to Be dad does have to be um, connected to a pregnant mom. Now, it doesn't have to be a biological father. Um, He could just be a support person and along for the ride with mom. And so if he's just supporting mom, we've got grandfathers that show up and step in on behalf of of dad who, for whatever reason, is not involved. We have uncles, we have brothers. And so um, whoever is supporting mom that's a male or that father figure um, is able to participate in our programming.
1: You know, I'm kind of wondering um, if the concerns you're voicing are new or if they've always been here. And here's what I mean. You know, uh, back in the 60s, for instance, men did not go into the maternity into the delivery room. <laughs> like, that was a yeah. process where yeah. men were excluded. All right. But back in that day, there were significantly more kids who lived in a house with married parents. Right. All right. So now I'm wondering, I'm you know, what was going on in the 60s? Were men as involved as they should have been in that pregnancy
2: cycle? Or were they more
1: distant well
2: first of all i wasn't around in the 60s (laughs) (laughs) but i will say that times have changed jack was
0: talking about the 1860s (laughs) by the way when when he was he was there
2: (laughs) well 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 roles have changed right society has changed the family structure has changed you have now uh Dads who stay home with the baby and mom goes to work. And so things have changed and have shifted. Um, I think more than anything, when we look at how we the number of infant mortality wasn't as high as it is now as it was then. And then you had, you know, back in those days, dad will go out, kill it bring it back home mom would skin it and cook it um that was the time that that they lived in and so i think that a big part of that now is um we have uh, unfortunately this infant mortality rate and my my thought my thought is and this is just my thought and some statistics that go along with it, is that when dads are in their rightful place as it relates to infant mortality, so goes our families, so goes our communities. And so I think dads have had to step up because we stood back for too long, if that makes sense. And so dads were not in their rightful places for, I'd say, maybe the 80s, the crack era, the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And so it kind of demolished the urban inner city communities where crack came in and just kinda wiped out families, wiped out of family structures. And so now you have families that have no idea what a real family structure looks like because dad wasn't around. Mom got strung out on dope. Uh the kids got lost in, in foster care and they grew up in the system. And so now moms that we serve have a trust issue with not only men, but just everybody. And so they had the the time where they just kind of did everything themselves. And so when we start looking at how dads are now, uh, have an impact on the infant mortality and how we fix it, now we have to get dads in the picture. We have to get dads in the hospital rooms. We have to get dads supporting moms in ways that they typically didn't to answer your question, Jack, Because, again, you didn't have men didn't go in the doctors. You know, we would just drop them off. But now we moms need that extra layer of support. That was a long answer, but I hope I answered it.
1: Well, you covered a lot of ground. Uh, The thing that strikes me about the discussion is, number one, it's becoming— somewhat of a political football mm-hmm. by virtue of presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. A mm-hmm. second thing is, <clears throat> it would seem to me that the absence of fathers is related to zip code. And if I'm right about that, it's not just a matter of dad not showing up. There's also a pretty important factor regarding the, the economics I mean where are most of your clients coming from and what's the problem that not the problem what are the challenges they sure. face
2: sure when you look at the infant mortality rate in Franklin Franklin County black babies die at twice the rate as white babies and so we have to look at we have to look at where the problem is and where the hot spots are um, when you start talking about zip codes, um, the city of Columbus via Celebrate One has identified hotspot hot areas where babies are dying at a higher rate than others. And so when you look at those areas, you look at predominantly black African-American areas. When you look at that, thus we go back to the root of it and we can be all we could be here all day having this conversation because I love it because this is what we do. Uh, But when you look at those areas, you're talking about those heavy drug infested areas, crime written areas, again, areas where I didn't have a dad growing up. So essentially we're asking these guys to do something they've never seen done because I didn't have a father. So how do I be a dad? Right. I didn't have a model. I didn't see my dad in the house corresponding and in, in, in conversing with mom. And I didn't see conflict resolution from dad. I didn't see how to love and receive love from dad or from mom and dad. And so predominantly the, 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 the areas that we work in are those areas. And so we're going in and not only again, are we saying, hey, this is what mom's body is going through. But along that same line, we're saying, hey, these are some strategies that you could utilize to be a better man. Right. You know, I think you hit it, Um, the
1: idea of modeling. Yeah. You know, Gonzo, it was probably pretty easy for you to figure out what to do when Ann was pregnant because you were nurtured by two parents. I Mm -hmm. mean, you didn't need to read about it or get lectured. It just happened, right? You saw it. But if you're in a household where you don't know where the next meal is coming from and only one parent— somebody's got to teach you.
2: Yeah. And it's usually and it's usually a bad guy. It, it's usually not a good model.
1: I want to get back to the economics. And I don't mean to minimize the importance of two people. I don't know if they have to be married, but two people in the same house raising children. But it seems to me that Everything you're doing is inextricably tied to economics. And maybe there are situations where the economics are more important than the number of parents. So, for instance, I've been thinking about this. We'll take somebody who lives on the hilltop, makes $15 an hour. For whatever reason, dad is not to be found. Now we'll take somebody in your neighborhood, Gonzo, Westerville maybe a lawyer and if that lawyer is working at one of the big firms in town that lawyer's starting salary is i don't know north of 180 grand just for a first year lawyer that child with the mom earning 180 grand <laughs> same situation dad's not around has a much higher likelihood of success However you want to define success. So it's not just the parent. It's the economics. I I don't see how you separate those two. Or am I
2: missing something? No, you can't. Because a lot of times we come out as a, um, a product of the urban inner city community myself. Uh, growing up at the age of 13, um, started getting involved in some of the things that were a result of the neighborhood that I lived in. And so... You come out in survival mode, right? You got mom who's on welfare, don't have a job, and you just a lot of the, a lot of guys, a lot of these men just start hustling just to put food on the table, right? It's not like I wanted to. I I didn't have anything to eat. I don't have a I don't have a skill. Mm-hmm. Mom doesn't have a job, and so we immediately immediately go into survival mode, um, and so absolutely, thus, when I start at a young age, I'm probably gonna be. Uh, caught up in it for a long time, right? Because this is what I know to do. I don't know how to do anything else. So when you start talking about providing for my family, this is all I have. This is all I know. So a great deal of what we do working with men, working with dads, again, is not only the prenatal education, but again, just really starting to help reprogram a man's mindset. All right, I know this is what you've heard. I know this is what you've seen growing up. But consider this as a strategy to be a great father, because, again, it's, but then again, it's not about the money. Right. Because we've got a lot of dads, too, that said I had a dad, but he never told me he loved me. Right. He he was never he was there, but he wasn't there. And so it's it's social. The, the economic piece has plays a huge role, because if I can't if I, I can't focus in school, if I know I got to go home, ain't nothing to eat. Right. So that plays a fact. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a a marriage of the two.
0: So it's um, it's a black versus white issue and an economic uh, poor versus wealthy issue. What programs do you have? And, And I guess I'm piggybacking on what Jack was saying. Giving emotional support to mom doesn't cost a lot of real money. It's, it's time, it's attention, it's, it's education. But sooner or later, you got to pay the rent and you got to pay the bills. Uh, what's, your, what's your program do to keep people in jobs or get them jobs? Is there something to that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a great point, Gonzo. One of the things that I am a stickler on is not just a job, but a career. Right. And so uh, initially, when I launched uh, my nonprofit and, and Jack had contested this, we the name of our nonprofit was Turnkey Development because we had a focus on skilled trade training. And so because a lot of guys, a lot of men that come from the urban inner city community, um, because there wasn't an initial conversation early on about purpose, about career planning. Um, my goal was to teach a man how to fish. Right. So we wanted to say, hey. Um, Whether you have uh, discovered what your career path will be or whether you have not, if you have a desire to work in construction-related trades, which we knew at the time for a lot of our dads were uh, ex-offenders. They had some sort of run in with the police or law enforcement or been to prison. The skilled trades fields were ex-offender friendly, so we initially started with the skilled trade training, but you're absolutely correct what we have, what we do, our focus is: How do we teach a man how to fish? How do we get a man lined up with his purpose? What were you put here on earth to do? And you would be surprised; a lot of these guys have never had that conversation. So we we first assess them, figure out what their goals are as it relates to employment, have that conversation about uh, purpose, and do some assessments to see where they fall. And then we connect them with the resources necessary for them to get into that field. So whether it's a hand, a soft handoff to Columbus State, or whether it's a soft handoff to the Columbus Urban League in, in building new futures with their CDL training and and, and this, the 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 skill training training, whatever it is. But our we our goal is to again have that conversation and walk alongside of them as they go into those those paths.
1: You know, this conversation reminds me of something I I say fairly frequently, which is we know what we know Mm. because we've been educated or trained. Now, sometimes the education is formal. Go to a trade school, you learn how to weld. Sometimes it's informal. I always joke, I was in the Navy, I had to get a flight physical every year. Oh, well, that taught me that even when I'm out of the Navy, I should get a flight physical. Now, if I wasn't, Maybe I wouldn't be getting a physical every year, right? I just, that idea came along indirectly. And similarly, if you were raised in the kind of environment that Gonzo and I had, luckily, you got some idea you were educated subconsciously (laughs) about what you do when you have a family. And what you're saying is there are people out there, they didn't get that kind of education. And that's really not a very accurate term, but they didn't learn. Right,
2: right. Yeah.
0: David, tell us a little bit more about your uh, backstory then, how you got involved, um, you know, doing this for the people in our community.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, um, I'm the oldest of six, grew up in the the hood, right, the urban community, um, uh, underserved, however you want to, I call it hood, because that's where I'm from. Um, but I grew up a single single mom I went to my dad's every other weekend my dad was. Um, God-fearing man in church. So I had a glimpse of what that looked like on the weekends or every other weekend. When I got older, I started ditching him and didn't want to go because I was at that point, I was intrigued by the lifestyle of uh, the flashy stuff, you know, the cars, the clothes and the jewelry and all those types of things that so many men and women from our community start to fantasize after because they don't, we don't have that model of dad going to work. Um, so I um, found myself involved in that lifestyle at the age of 13, from 13 to 26, that's what I did. Everything associated with that lifestyle. At 26, I was like, man, this can't be life. Uh, there's gotta be another, another, you know, running from the police, you know, going back and forth to court, you know, women issues and, and things of that nature and actually fearing for your life, right? And so you never know what's gonna happen. You might get shot, somebody might, you might shoot somebody because of the lifestyle or just everything that goes along with it. And at 26, I was like, something's gotta give. Um, So I um, gave my life to the Lord and really started to pursue um, a better life for myself and for my children. And because I was an ex-offender, I understood personally the challenge with finding a job and turning over this new leaf, um, not having a template to follow. Um, and I uh, got involved with a nonprofit organization that um, it's, it's a funny story. I don't have a long time to tell it, but I went to a job readiness program because I'd never had a job. Here I am, 26. And they're like, okay, let's put together this resume. I'm like, and put what on it? Because <laughs> I've never had a job. There's, there's no history here, right? Sadly to say, here I am, 26, and I don't have a, I don't have a track record of work. Uh, while I was in this job readiness program, the man that runs the program called me into his office one day, and I said, oh my god i'm getting kicked out he's found out about who i really am i'm out of here he calls me into the office he said hey man i've been watching you um there's some great you got some greatness in you and i want to give you a job and so he gave me a job uh pulls me out of the job readiness program gives me a job working with at-risk youth. He says, I'm gonna start this program working with teens and as a diversion program, I think you'd be a great fit for it. That was my baptism into nonprofit and I've been in it ever since in 2014 after working uh, a number of roles and positions in nonprofit employment coordinators and job readiness facilitation, all those different things. um, I said, I think, I, I might be able to do this, prayed about it, and, and saw fit to start. Uh, again, then Turnkey, which is now Urban Family Development Center, and um, and then, like I said, initially, the goal was restored citizens. <laughs> that was my heart. That was my passion to work with that population. And then we had an opportunity to develop our dads-to-be program. Um, and the rest is history. The rest is history.
0: So I see the um, dads-to-be program and moms-to-be is, is not just a program in Franklin County. Is that a, a national organization or how, how far is its reach?
2: Yeah. So we partnered with moms-to-be in 2015. So moms were coming to this program program. program and they would bring their dad but they didn't have anything for dad to do. So that's where we came about. I got a call one day. say, said, hey, we want to develop a program uh, working with infants uh, to reduce infant mortality. And the only word I heard was infants. And I'm like, what? I'm cool. I'm not working with no babies. He's like, no, no, it's a program where we want to reduce infant mortality. If I'll be honest, I didn't even know what infant mortality was. Um, and so we went in and developed a program uh, working with those dads that are connected to a mom um, and and so um, we then were at four sites. We grew to eight sites, and then Moms to Be grew to Dayton, Ohio. And they said, "Hey, we're we're uh, as a re, uh, uh, request from Governor Dewine, they want to spread Moms to Be out over the state of Ohio. Would you be willing to go?" "Uh, yeah." <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we uh, expanded alongside of Moms to Be to Dayton, Ohio. So right now we're in Franklin County and Montgomery County, Ohio. And so
0: your funding and your support, does it mostly come from the state?
2: So, no, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we get some funding from the state of Ohio, uh, the Ohio Commission on Fatherhood, um, who's been a phenomenal support of our work uh since since the inception of dads to be uh we do have some 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 funding that we get from Ohio State Wexter Medical Center and moms to be uh but as a nonprofit that's 80% 90% of my job is finding funding uh so if anybody's listening to this broadcast or this <laughs> podcast now that has some money they want to donate to us uh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so here's this
1: pet peeve of mine. Ramaswamy is making single parenting, which should not be confused with um, unmarried parents, right? Those are two different things possible. He says, well, the federal government pays a single woman more not to have a man in the house, well, I have no clue whether that's true. It doesn't sound right, but it's a really catchy sound bite. So, you know, in essence, tell me about the politics that you incur. Tell me about the biases that you incur and people just thinking, hey, these people, I'm going to use your sure. term, in the hood, should just be doing better on their own. Mm-hmm. What's what's Ramaswamy talking
2: about? So so I get he's got he's got a kind of a point here, okay. and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, we have and we do um, live in a society where, for the most part, that is um, man has been um, left out of the story, if you will. So a system set up to keep that out. So if I want to get Section Eight, if I want to get some sort of assistance. Um, Oh, my God, this is this is a layered question and answer. Um, so if I want to get assistance right now, I go down to Job and Family Services and sign up for welfare. One of the questions they're going to ask me is, where's dad, right? And if dad is uh, involved, of course, dad's got to step up to the plate and dad's got to help. And that reduces the amount that we'll give you because dad's in the place, he's involved, da-da-da-da-da, which is right. I get that part. But what happens is... You get more if you say he's not here. He may be here, but I'll get more if I say I don't know where he's at, but I do know where he's at. And so now as a mom, I'm going to sign up and say, I don't know where he's at, because now not only am I going to get more, but then I'm going to they're going to put him on child support, too. So if I go down and get public assistance, they're going to say, where's dad? He's got to step up and put him on child support. Moms don't want to do that because of the 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 react the the uh, idea of child support in urban black men and in the hood is just like child support is like the feds, right? <laughs> it's like the federal government. When you say child support to an African American man, he and and there was a joke when they was looking for Osama bin Laden years ago. A comedian said they got the wrong people looking for Osama. They need to tell child support. Child support will find him. <laughs> 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 and so, and so that's the mindset that we have. But back to your question, I kind of get it because what happens is, I do get paid more if I say dad's not involved, if dad's not around, right? And so, as a result, don't finally they've said, all right, if you don't tell us where he is, we're cutting off your 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 assistance. And so now, finally. Mom gives dad's information, and so dad is now on child support. A lot of times, I'm with you. I'm in the house with you. I live with you, but I got to pay child support because we're not married and because you get you get federal uh, assistance. And so I, I kind of get what he's saying. And you got to keep in mind, too, we do live in a system where uh, a, a time where, again, men have been kind of left out, right, forced out. So um, if you want a house, right? You can't get a house. Um, we won't give you this house. We won't give you the Section 8 if you've got a partner and he's involved. Because, mm-hmm. well, I get it. Go. It's kind of like making him go get a job, making him. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, how do I get a job? I don't have any skills.
0: It's uh, the difference between receiving not enough and receiving a little more than not enough. Uh, I can't imagine although I, I understand the choice women are making because they're making it for themselves and for their 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 children that it's a lot easier to rely upon the government uh, assistance than the father that just doesn't want to be involved tell us how these um, men get acquainted with your program or how do they, uh, they do they apply for it um, you know how do they get involved with you
2: yeah, so absolutely. So we have a, uh, several partnerships. Our partnership with Moms to Be. Um, the only way that we get dad in that program is if he's connected to a mom. So most of the time, we're we're receiving dad from mom. Right, so we don't do much marketing, we do no outreach or anything for that partnership. However, we do have another partnership with an organization by the name of um, uh, Mother's Cove, Good Life Center, uh, out here on the east side. And we could, um, our population there is the 43232 zip code. So if you're a dad and you live in that area, you live in that zip code, you can participate. In our program and so we're currently working on funding and opportunities so that we can offer our programming to any dad in the general public so he doesn't have to be connected to any of our partners for us to provide the services but if I'm just the average Joe and I decided hey I want to be a better father I want to figure this thing out because although you guys did have a father growing up there's still some things that you had to figure out along the way right because there's no manual that came with it right and so those are the things that we offer our dads in our sessions is, again, just a safe space to come and say, hey, man, I don't know if I got this thing right this time, you know, or or this is something that I'm dealing with as a dad or so on and so forth. And, and, and so, again, that's one of the great things about our partnership or about our work is that we get to create that safe space for men, for dads, who oftentimes don't come and freely talk about their feelings and their emotions, right? That's, <laughs> that's shocking to hear, isn't it, Gonzo? <laughs> men do, them who now. don't want to share?
0: Here's a here's a question you'll like though, Jack. Uh, so you talk about partners, right? Yeah. About right to life. Ohio's right to life. We had uh, Mike Ganadakis in here, and he talks about the sanctity of of, of life and um, that women, uh, you know, should have babies. Uh, that the the government should restrict their right to choose not to. Uh, are they involved in your organization?
2: I'm I'm not familiar with them at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about Mike? Uh, was that uh, Jack pressed him on uh, the whole thing about um, uh, oh,
1: giving, uh, giving care to children who really weren't planned for. That was the issue, yeah, I think. Yeah. What are you doing for the moms who didn't want the child? They give birth. Now what do we do?
0: Yeah, and uh, you also pressed him on the death penalty. Right. And he said his organization didn't have a position on it. And about two months later, the organization took a position that they're also against, you yeah. know, uh, the death penalty. But it seems to me that, um, that that would be the kind of organization that would embrace, mm-hmm. you know, your um, uh, your ideals and, and, um, and what you're trying to do. Because, yeah. you know, um, if women are going to have children, then... We need to take care of them. We need sure. to figure it out. But let me ask you a tough question. If there is a problem with the pregnancy, do you have procedures, process, restrictions with regard to the issue of abortion?
2: So just really quick, a quick plug. So in the in the space of mom's pregnancy, uh, it was unplanned. She doesn't want it. Um, there is... Um, a such thing known as the punitive father registry. What this says is that if I think that a woman is pregnant with my child, I enter my name into this registry. And if she decides to give the baby up for adoption, me as dad, I have first dibs. Of course, you have to do the blood test. You have to do those things. But we teach and educate our dads on the puni- punitive father registry registration um so that again if Mm -hmm. any if i think um that a a woman is pregnant i'm a god-fearing man um I, i believe that um we don't have i don't have the ability to give or take life um and that's a very touchy conversation um because you could go all different kind of ways you know but but me as a God fearing man, I I do stand against abortion because I feel that who knows what that child will be. No matter how my mom you know got pregnant or or what have you, but that that's just my own personal belief. Um, it's a thin line with uh, the work that I do, and and not uh you know making my personal thoughts and beliefs a part of it. But I have to, I also I ultimately have to stand on the fact that mom has a right. A woman has a right to do what she wants to do with her own body. Hey, I'm. Int- <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to go back to this registry, which is the putative
1: registry. Where in the world is this thing located?
2: Yeah. So, uh, if you reach out to us, we can get you connected with it, uh, at Urban Family Development Center. Uh, but it's also Ohio registered. Uh, it's on the um, 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 Ohio Commission on Fatherhood website. You can get it there. The putative. Registry. Punitive. putative. Yeah. I might be saying, you're probably saying it right, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> that's okay. I'm a little closer, but that's only because I looked it up on the dictionary.
0: <laughs>
1: but the bottom line is, I just learned something in yep. the last five minutes. So, yep. God yep. bless. You know, Gonzo, that's an interesting point. I did press Gonadakis, and he made it sound as if his organization helps women with unplanned pregnancies. So maybe, David, you and I can talk about that for two minutes afterwards about how to connect because yeah, that might be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. let's
0: send Mike a um, a copy of the podcast and say, hey, it's a good organization to get involved in.
1: I can do that. You can yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. David, we uh, appreciate you coming in. It's uh, the first I had heard of your organization, and uh, hopefully not the last. And um, I am always amazed and and and. Um, uh, humbled by the work that people do in the urban community and certainly by yours. So thanks for sharing that with us.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah,
1: it was really good to have you, David. Our thanks to WOSU and our sound engineer, Dalton Jones. If you like what you've heard today, tell a friend, we want this to be more than just us. We want it to be all of us. We'll be back in another week or so with another social justice issue. Until then, so long. Happy holidays.